coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. My wife is a self-diagnosed hypochondriac. Her dad died of brain cancer. Her mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. In the years past, her grandfather had throat cancer and her grandmother has COPD. This is the, the demon of anxiety. It's kind of right. What up, what up, what up, what up? This is John with Dr. John Deloney's show, the greatest mental health and marriage and parenting podcast that's ever existed. I'm just telling you, man, if we just keep saying it over and over, it's going to become true. So glad that you've joined us. Uh, if you want to be on this show, let me know what's going on in your life, whether you've got trauma you got to deal with, you've got parenting issues, you've got problems with your kids' schools, what's going on at your universities with your kids, whatever's going on in your life. Give me a buzz at uh, 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask, A-S-K. All right, let's go to Rhea in Alberta, Canada. What's up, Rhea? Good morning. Thank you for having me on, Dr. John. Of course. How are you? You sound so lovely. I'm well, thank you. So um, my issue is weight. Um, I got to give you a little background. I have been uh, a Dave Ramsey uh, follower since 2007. I saw him at an event in 2007 in Salt Lake City, and I kind of have been on the program ever since. One time I had a fall off, but I got back on. Uh, Hey, way to go, sir. Have you paid You don't owe anybody any money? None. Wow, way to go. Yeah, house paid off, got investments. You don't have so, a house um, payment? No house payment, no house wow. payment, no no um, credit card, nothing. Hey, do so, people listen to the show? There's 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 a big chunk of our listeners that don't know don't don't know what like the Dave Ramsey program. And all Tell them what it feels like to not have a house payment. And it, you got inflation, you got Christmas coming up. I know. Like, so, um, tell them what that feels like. I sleep at I sleep at night. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> like, oh, it's gas is more expensive. It's annoying. It's not a choice between gas or or food, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is, and and you know what? Sometimes, I mean, this Christmas is going to be a little tight. Yeah. But it, you know, um, so I'm 75. I've got five kids, 14 grandkids. But um, they all know that grandma is not going to be a cash cow this this year, oh. and I just kind of live with live within my means. That means you ha- you've yeah. also over the years of paying all your debts off, you've also learned how to have hard conversation not hard conversations, but just direct conversations, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. That's so great, you're incredible, Ria. So how can I help yeah. you? you? You mentioned weight. How okay. can I help you? Yeah. So. You know, since I was about 12, went into puberty, I grew up on a farm. I was the oldest one in the family, so I helped with farm chores. I was always kind of a stockier build, like, you know, not real slim, trim, 100-pound. My my frame is not okay. small. And so I always grew up kind of with low self-esteem. I mean, I was 127 pounds for all of high school where all the other girls were 115. Like that, you know. Um, so I think did people, my mom did, was hold, overweight. Real, real my quick. grandmas were not. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did, did Were people ugly to you? Or was this something in your mind? Were people mean to you? No. I think maybe it was in my mind. Okay. 
And I say in your yeah. mind, like you're, you're not crazy or anything like that, but no, no. Uh, 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 the difference between one fifteen and one twenty seven. I know. Is is not a great. It's not a significant gap, right? No. Um, but so, maybe to a fourteen-year-old, it is. Oh, hey, make no mistake about that, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it. What I'm trying to, I'm trying to get at is, was this something you sensed in yourself, or were people yeah. making fun of you? Were they laughing at no. you? Was your mom always making comments? Was your mom always on a diet, and your dad making comments about her, and you, you, you absorbed some of that? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. My mom was always on a diet. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I don't think my dad ever made a comment. I don't, don't think so. Okay. But your mom so. was always talking about weight and was always on a diet and yeah. partitioned a pear tree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're 75. So I, you've had a, 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 a remarkable life. You've got grandkids, your own kids. And here we yeah, are. Yeah, and you know, I'm really, I mean, I've, I've had some hard stuff. Um, my oldest daughter passed away when she was 15 from cancer. Oh, it was wow. not diagnosed properly, and she passed away. Oh, my my husband died in a car accident. Um, you know, um, I did go for counseling after, after, you know, a number of deaths in the family. I did go for counseling a couple of different times, but it was more grief counseling, and sure. it was... It, it was astounding how much good that did. Oh, good. That's cool. Um, I tried to go back with the same, well, it was two different counselors, actually, did two different times. I tried to go back and talk with them about the weight, because mm-hmm. I still think I have that self-esteem issue. In fact, I know I do. Okay. Um, but bottom line, they are so busy mm-hmm. that an issue of what I'd like to lose is about 30 pounds, maybe a little bit more. Okay. But it's just enough to make me fluffy instead of streamlined. And I want to be streamlined because that's, I will feel better about Rhea. Okay. So, so I had a gas, gastroplasty and okay. it partially helped. Yep. Okay. How much did you lose after that? Uh, about 60 pounds. Okay. And have you maintained it? Nope. Okay, so it came back. Did it come back plus, or did it come back about about level? Um, about level. Okay. Well, no, no, no. I, I was two forty. I'm one eighty, and I'd like to get down to about one fifty. Okay, so, so you, you you're still down significantly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm going to try to do it in as dige- like. I said I was going to say bite sized and then I was going to say digestible, and I don't want to make food references. They were just for what was coming out. Okay, um, I'm going to try to make this um, as simple as possible. Is that cool? Perfect. Thank right. you. Um, I could talk nerd all day. We could call some ex. Like we could talk nerd all day. Let's get to the meat and potatoes here. And again, there's yet another food reference. Sorry about that. So, um, there's a an extraordinary man who is also a great actor. His name is Ethan Supley. And he has um, documented a, just an astounding weight loss and not only weight loss, but just a personal transformation. And my friend, uh, Dr. Lane Norton, who's one of the most, one of the um, premier voices in the world on nutrition and weight loss and building muscle and taking care of your body. Um, He told me that Ethan one time said this, when the house is on fire, 
That's not the time to try to figure out why the house is burning. Like, where did the fire start? Why did it start? When the house is on fire, we just need to get out. Let's just get out of the house. And then when the fire has burned itself out, then we send in the the arson investigators, the engineers, the whoever, to go in and then to do to figure it out so that it doesn't happen again, right? Yep. So similarly, you can, and you've done the work, you've thought through this a lot about where did this idea that Rhea is less than, where did that start? Yeah. And you've, you've pinpointed it as a 12-year-old little girl working on a farm that you were a little bit bigger than the other girls in your class, and that made you just outside, feel outside of the bounds a little bit. My guess is it's deeper than that. And also my guess is at this point at 75, doesn't matter. Okay? Let's do the things that we know are going to help. And I, I'm going to tell you all that with one giant caveat. Okay? And this is a hard caveat. If you lost 30 pounds in the next 30 days, you know who would be there? Rhea. True. And if you lost 50 pounds, Rhea goes with you too. Gotcha. And so I want to promise you that you'll feel that, you'll see that number on the scale and you'll feel so proud and good for a minute. And then you'll look at Rhea. And until you make peace and love her, regardless of what that scale says, you're going to be chasing ghosts. Okay. Okay. The Rhea I've got to talk to today is incredible. You've been through hell and back a bunch of times. You grew up in Canada, for God's sake. I grew up in <laughs> Texas, and they told us at church hell was hot. I don't believe that. I think it's cold, and Canada sounds mm -hmm. a lot, right? It's You've been through so much, and you can sit back and look at your family and you're going to have a house full of knuckleheaded little grandkids in a couple of couple of weeks. Yeah. You've been a part of changing your family tree and changing your family legacy. And as an outsider, I see a lot of reasons to love Rhea. She's an impressive woman. Okay? So the first thing I want you to do before we do anything else, we get off the phone over the next couple of days, is I want you to write a letter to that 12-year-old little Rhea. And I want you to tell Rhea what you think of her. And I'm going to ask you to be really kind to that 12-year-old little girl because you wouldn't talk to her the same way you talk to grown-up Rhea, would you? No. Nope. That little 127-pound 12-year-old girl was beautiful and was a hard worker and was probably hilarious and probably had to deal with some of her mom's demons too, right? Yes. And that 12-year-old little girl, you know what she deserves? To look in the mirror and just smile from ear to ear and be absolutely in love with herself because she's beautiful and she's fun and she's silly and she's goofy and she doesn't need to absorb mom's weight issues and mom's personal struggles and mom's trauma that she endured as a young girl and, and all that. But here we are. So I want you to write 12-year-old Rhea a letter. Tell her that you love yeah. her. Tell her you're proud of her. Let her off the hook, okay? Yes. All right. So that's step number one. Step number okay. two is we're going to focus on, we're going to practice in this upcoming new year on a new identity. 
You are not Rhea, the overweight lady. You are going to be Rhea, the woman who's a good steward of her body. Okay? Ah, Let's pretend you got 25 years left. I'm a good steward of my body. I'm going to take care of it. That means I'm going to move. I'm going to exercise some. I'm going to, I want to be able to, when I'm 85, to kick my grandkids' little booty all over the living room floor when we wrestle. That's what we're aiming yeah. for, okay? So we okay. are going to become a good steward of our body. That's our identity. Not we're fat and we have to get smaller so that we can finally love who we are. That's not going to work. We're going to become a steward of our body. And if we are a good steward of our body, our weight will take care of itself. Okay? So I want you to spend some time over the next couple weeks before the new year rolls over asking yourself, what's going to make me a good steward of my body? And let me tell you, uh, we're going to get through some of the details down here, but this is important. This last weekend, my church had a potluck. I love potlucks. (laughs) Y'all have those in Canada? Absolutely. Oh, man. And my favorite part of the church potluck is the card table full of desserts. And because I've been, I've got a great friend in Dr. Lane Norton who has been really direct with me and been a real blessing to me. You know what I did? I went in at lunch and I had my lunch and I annihilated that dessert table. I, I, at one point I sat down and my wife looked at me and her eyes got big and I said, I'm making poor choices and I know. And she said, okay, just wanted to make sure you were conscious and and at dinner, I had a small omelet because like a budget, I'd spent my money at lunch. I didn't save yeah. it for dinner. And you know what? The next day, I was down 1.2 pounds. Oh. Okay? So I want to tell you that sometimes being a good steward of your body is just having a great day. Okay? It's not always torture and it's not restriction all the time and it's not hatred. As my... My friend Sal over at Mind Pump said, you can't hate your body into making it looking better. That's not sustainable. It's like hating your husband into loving you more. That just doesn't work. Okay? Yeah. So, we're going to start with a new identity. We're going to be a good steward of our bodies for, for as long as we've got it left. Okay? Here's the second thing. Awareness and intentionality. There's a gap between stimulus and response, between all of a sudden I miss my husband or when your daughter's birthday rolls around and you miss her or one of your grandkids calls and says, granny, I got a C instead of an A and your default sitting might be to grab a cookie or to go to the store or to get a large Coke and pour the whole thing. Right. All we're looking for. Absolutely is. That's an absolute default. Okay. So here's what we're doing. We're just going to look for the, uh, some space. Just a gap between that initial feeling and I'm reaching for it. Last night, as I, and I'm learning this. I'm practicing this right along with you, okay? I know I'm not obese. I'm not struggling, but I am trying to get control of my intentionality. Yesterday, I was on the phone having a conversation. On the way out the door, I grabbed off my boss's desk. He's got a bowl of candy. I grabbed a box of the milk duds, and I started walking out, and just before I opened them, whew, I had that space and I set them down on his admin's desk. So I carried them for about 15 feet. And it was just a gap between stimulus and response between I'm having a hard conversation. Ah, I picked these up. 
I don't want these. I'm going to set these down. Okay. That's what we're looking for. Just a gap. A big part of that is tracking. Okay. And so here's a cool thing. My friend, Dr. Lane Norton has what I think has been a blessing to me. My friends are on all using it now. Um, it's the single best tracking app for what we eat in the world. It's called Carbon, C-A-R-B-O-N. And he okay. is going to gift you a lifetime membership. You can have it forever. Okay? So I want you to hang on the line. Oh, let's thank Dr. Norton. It's It's been a blessing to me. And I called them last night and said, hey, would you be willing to gift this? It's been such a blessing to me to to this caller I've got tomorrow. And he said, absolutely. Um, and so you'll stay on the line. We'll get your contact info. And it's just an app that you log into and it tracks your protein and your calories. It just, it helps you be intentional about what you've eaten over the course of a day. And That's I thought awesome. I was eating about a thousand calories less than I actually was. And so there's been a few weeks, a few months where I've had to learn, like, I'm not starving. I'm not hungry. I'm just used to this space being filled up with gummy candies and milk duds, right? Yes, yes. And I just have to feel what that feels like. Ah, feels good. Or it feels not great, but I'll be all right. See what I'm saying? Yes. It's the single best uh, weight loss app. Not even weight loss app. It's a coaching app. And it's incredible, but I'm yeah. going to give it to you, okay? You put it on your smartphone and you can just carry it around with you and it's going to be something that you practice with, okay? And right. um, you're going to have to come up with, here's number three, some sort of restriction that you can live with. Some do vegan, some do keto, some do what, it, I don't care what it is, but at some point you're going to have to say, I'm, I'm through, I spent my money for today and money is just calories, right? I've spent them for the day. Yep. And so um, I had a humongous breakfast full of pancakes and bacon. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have a really light, light dinner. I'm going to go for a walk, okay. right? Because I spent my money today. It's okay. just like a budget, except it's calories, okay? Um, exactly. And then the final one is a part of our stewardship of our body is we're going to, we're going to move. Whether that's exercise, whether that's going to the local YMCA, whether that's getting in, in one of those swim, those like water aerobics group, whatever that is, I'm just going to commit to movement. It might be walking around my yard. Okay. Yeah. And, I love to, I love to walk when there's no ice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't go kid, walking in the ice. My kids gave me a bike. No, my kids gave me a recumbent bike two oh, years ago for Christmas. Great. So I've got no excuse. There you go. Hey, watch your favorite show. There we go. Put it on there. Which it was, which Dr. Deloney, right? John Deloney. I mean, so. I, I, <laughs> that's going to make you pedal really slow. It's kind of a, oh, <laughs> it put you to sleep. All right. Here's the last, last thing. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Okay. The last thing is I want you to write 75 year old Rio letter. And I want you to tell 75 year old Rio how proud of her you are, how much you love her. I want you to be. Okay. Hug that woman for the hard stuff she's been through. Hug that woman for the great stuff she's, for the hard choices she's had to make over the years, for the, her ability to pay off all her debts and have hard conversations with her kids. I want you to, to write 75-year-old Rio letter and remind her that she's not a failure. Her whole life hasn't been a sham. She hasn't screwed up everything. She's a really cool lady. Thank you. Is that I cool? Will. Yes, it is. All right. I am, I cannot be more grateful for you. Thank you for calling, for sharing your journey with us. Thank you for being brave. 
Thank you for letting that 12-year-old little girl go play for the first time in a long time. And thank you for loving my friend, 75-year-old Rio. And big shout out to Dr. Lane Norton and his team, like the incredible Carbon app. Go check it out wherever you get apps. It's worth it if you're thinking about losing weight in this upcoming year or you want to start um, lifting weights more, whatever your goals are, check it out, Carbon. Um, and I, by the way, I have no financial affiliation in this thing at all. None, zero. I make zero dollars off of this thing. I just use it personally and I believe in it um, in, in, in a deep and profound way. Um, Rhea, you're awesome. Everybody will be right back. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? Maybe it's a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you, or maybe it's something you've done and you're deeply ashamed about it. You're worried because you know, bringing this to light is going to cause disruption in every part of your life. All of us, every single one of us have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this always, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start or even how to say these things. Therapy is a safe and effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get these heavy things off my chest and figure out what to do next. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and it doesn't cost any extra money. Listen, it's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we are back. Let's go to Paul in Welcome to Miami. What's up, Paul? Hey, how you doing, Dr. John? I'm good, man. What's up? Oh, not much. Uh, living a Jimmy Buffett day and uh, relaxing at home. <laughs> Cheeseburger in paradise, baby. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So what's up? Well, thank you for taking my call. You got it. Um, I'm calling because my wife is a self-diagnosed hypochondriac. Oh! Paul, Paul, I love you, and I'm sure your wife is awesome, but I think yeah. we can all agree that self-diagnosed hypochondriacs, whoa. <laughs> and uh, she also states she loves going to the doctor. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and uh, Hey, here's what... Uh, I'm saying, oh, gosh, not because she's dumb or a moron or somehow less than. I'm saying, oh, gosh, because I know how hard this is in your home. And I know how miserable it is for her and how miserable it is for you. Y'all got little ones too? Nope, no little ones, not okay. yet. Um, okay. But uh, oh boy, for the future. Okay. So she's got health anxieties. Fair? Yes. Yeah, health anxieties. Uh, she, she does have general anxieties as well. Um, she gave me a list of active worries that she has. Okay. And then you always say to lead with the big things. So I could, I could do both of those if you like. Go for it. So, uh, caveat, she did say, she does say this started at a young age, this self-diagnosed hypochondriac. Sure. Um, but her active worries are all forms of cancer, heart failure, blood clots, brain aneurysms, COVID, any lung or heart issues from COVID and pneumonia to name a few. Cool. And the big thing, the big things are 
three years ago, her dad died of brain cancer. Okay. Uh, this past year, her mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. Um, in the years past, her grandfather had throat cancer. Okay. And her grandmother has COPD. Okay. So, um, this is the, the demon of anxiety. Is, uh, it's kind of right. 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 So I don't want to parse apart health anxiety versus generalized anxiety. I think that can be a, an academic waste of most of our time. Okay. Your wife struggles from anxiety. I've been there. It's debilitating. It's hard. It messes up stuff. One of the things we've seen in the medical community over the last 15 or 20 years is an increase of people with pain disorders and who are struggling from like, I think, oh, I think my heart rate is racing. I need to go to the doctor because often that's the only place where somebody stops what they're doing and puts their phone down and looks at them in the eye for 15 minutes or gently touches their skin, takes their blood pressure, right? It's much more about human interaction or it's as much about human interaction as it is about the diagnostic. Okay. It's a body screaming for connectivity. Um, so she grew up as an anxious kid. Where did that come from? Mom, dad, who? Um, well, from what she's told me, she, she did have, um, in my own opinion, some significant trauma through childhood. Um, she was sexually abused by an older sibling. Um, I know you've talked about screaming a lot in, uh, for children and, uh, she was in a household with a lot of screaming. Okay. And she's never been very close with her mom. Okay. So she's got a lot in that sweet little body of hers. Okay. And the manifestation is some people dig holes in the ground and create underground bunkers. And some people hoard things and protect themselves with stuff. And some people respond to anxiety um, by shutting the, drawing the shades in and get under the covers and Netflixing themselves to death. Um, I tried to solve my anxiety with information. And so it's really cool to to tell people I've got two PhDs. It's also a trauma response. Okay. It was me trying to prove that I I was smart and it was me trying to get more data and more data and more data and more data. She happens to try to solve her anxiety from being, uh, over the top in tune with her physiological functions to the point that she's lost perspective and she seeks the comfort of somebody she views as wise and someone who finds value in her which is a medical professional or a nurse or a doctor right sure okay so she's gonna have to decide this is a person who uh if i say if i say um i want you to write your fears down and then demand evidence from them. When you are in the throes of deep anxiety, she's got all the evidence she needs. Every one of her family members has died of cancer or has cancer. That's right. Right. That's right. So well, she's got all the data actually, she needs. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that exact cause, cause we listen to you every day. And so we've talked about that as a, as a team together and she says, well, I can find the evidence. That's right. <laughs> so so, so yeah. I'm going to go back to um, something my buddy Todd t- told me. And I've told I've mentioned on the show and I'll mention it again because it was such a shape shifter for me. It might not be helpful for anybody else. But one of my deep worries was the implosion of the financial system. 
I didn't understand it. I still, I still don't understand it, but I didn't especially understand it then. And it didn't make sense to me. And things that didn't make sense to me were a threat to me. And then I start trying to solve things that didn't make sense to me. And that's even makes even less sense because I don't even know how it works. I'm trying to solve something. I don't know how it works, but I was sitting down with him, grilling him one day. And here's the other thing. I'm not dumb. And here's the other thing. We were in the middle of a mad, it was 2009, 2010, during the middle of the madness. So I had all the evidence I need. This whole thing's going down. This whole thing's a sham. This whole thing's on a house of cards. Mm -hmm. And we were going through this thing and this thing. I was like, what about this? And what if this happens? What if this happens? And then finally he said, oh, dude, I don't have a meteorite plan. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, well, I do all the things I know to do right now, which I carry no household consumer debt. He paid his house off. Um, I have this and I've got an emergency fund and I don't have any debt on my cars and I put money in retirement here and I've got a couple of rent houses over here. And then if the monetary system goes away, I'll deal with that when it happens. And for some reason, it was a light bulb moment for me because I wasn't taking care of all the other things that I actually could control. I was just trying to catch a spaceship, which I couldn't do. And so I channeled my energy over time. I had to learn how to do this into, all right, well, I guess I'll go see a counselor and I guess I will start hanging out with my friends again because I need relationships. And I guess I'll get my debts paid off because I know that you can't be non-anxious if you owe people money because your brain's screaming at you. You're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. So I started taking care of the little things and it was amazing how the big stuff kind of evaporated. And here's what I mean in my house. I got a family history of cancers. I got a family history of heart stuff. Some of it I didn't even know about until recently. And so I get my blood taken every year by a great doctor, Dr. Vickery. And we go through it and it's expensive. We go through the whole thing and he does an incredible job. My wife does too. And I take really good care of myself best I can unless I'm having a gummy candy day. And so I'm doing all the things that I know to do. And then I'm going to, if I get throat cancer, I get throat cancer. You know what I mean? I don't have a meteorite plan for that. A after I'm going to do the things that I'm, I'm going to be intentional about longevity. So here's what I'm telling you. She's going to have to choose to be less miserable in the present, not rehearsing tragedy for a thing that may happen someday. Sure. Right. And, and I, I think it comes down, uh, I, I think some of it might be a control thing as well. No, 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 don't, hey, I, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there. Yeah. It is, but you're talking about a, a little girl who was sexually abused and that little girl's still in there. Right. So yes, she is trying to seek control of something because the things that were supposed to love her the most, her brother, her mom and dad, they didn't show up. Right. So yeah, she's trying to control everything. I, I think my question would come to how, how to be a good husband there we go. When, when, when she brings up a concern because I think I've gone through different, uh, I don't know, ways of trying to support her best. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering is if she comes with a concern, a health concern, a very specific health concern, what's the best way I could, I could support? Because right now what it is is if she brings a very specific health concern, I'll say, okay, well, why don't we go to a specific doctor and, and get that checked out? But I'm not sure if that is a long-term solution. No, because that becomes self-reinforcing. Right. Meaning she gets anxious, she gets anxious, she gets anxious. Y'all both go do a thing that you know is really not a good use of medical resources, of the doctor's time, and of y'all's time and money. Right. 
but you're gonna go do it because it's gonna make her feel better right this moment. And what it does is it reinforces the anxiety that the way to feel better is to go do this thing. And then so your body, see what I'm saying? It starts a loop that your body's gonna start seeking out these things every time. And so when I say the only way to heal is through it, it's to, uh uh-oh, I just woke up and I think I'm, I think I'm having fill in the blank. Sure. Right. And since we've already got a blood test, we're going to get a baseline test. Since we've already got a cancer screening, since we've already done an an echocardiogram. So, and I am suggesting go get a good baseline, like a great blood test, get a good baseline. Sure. So that um, when the feel, I think this thing you can roll back to, oh, we just like, 60 days ago, we got this great, um, baseline here. Yeah. And so, yeah. And we, we do, we do annual physicals. Great. And, and it, it came up to where, uh, maybe a month ago she said, well, that's been six or eight months ago, you know, things can change. And so it, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like she would like to go again. That's right. And so those are the moments we are going to breathe and we're going to head right into the storm, meaning we're going to feel that anxiousness. We're going to know that our bodies are okay. We're going to hold loosely a meteorite that might be coming. You're right. We could have had 10 years of great blood tests. And then you got eight, eight, seven, eight months. And then bam, stage four throat cancer. Right. Right. Um, I'm not a cancer doctor. Sure. Um, but that's, you see, it, you, you recognize, she recognizes how unlikely that is, right? Yeah, she does. And, and I've always, I've always said, you know, at any point, if you want me to help you find a therapist, I'm happy to, but I know I can't push her into it. I, I know that from listening to you, it has to be a decision she has to come to on her own. Right. And so what I we guess. need to do is when she's not anxious, we need to come up with a game plan that y'all are both going to shake hands and agree on because just running to specialist to specialist for the rest of her life is going to become cost prohibitive. And it really is taking resources from somebody else who needs to be there. Sure. And we don't want to blow over if she actually is having an incident. She does have an increased risk for cancer because she's got it in all of her family members. Right. 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 Um, She does possibly have an increased risk for fill in the blank. So sit down with somebody and map that out. And I definitely think seeing a counselor is important. I think if she won't go, then you go on your own. And if she asks you, why are you going? Tell her, I want to learn some better tools on how to relationally connect with somebody who's struggling so deeply from anxiety. Okay. What you're going to be tempted to do is to create a universe on your own. A world that's not crazy. A world that's a little more stable. And what she's going to do is feel you by degrees, one degree, two degree, three degrees. She's going to feel you pulling away, and that's going to spark up the anxiety even more. Sure. Okay? So when you say what's the greatest thing you can do, I can tell you don't try to solve her as though she's like an engine issue. Lean in relationally, and you'll have to have already planned out what that looks like. When she comes to you and says, I think I'm having a stroke, already have planned out. All right, let's hold hands, both of them. I'll stop what I'm doing. I'm closing all the screens. I'm turning the game off, even though it's the fourth quarter. There's only two minutes left. I'm going to lean into this relationship. So we're going to breathe together. I'm going to connect with you together. 
And then once okay. our breathing's under control, then we're going to walk through, okay, what are the three things? Or we're going to go for a walk right now. And while we're walking, we're going to take five minutes of just doing box breathing while we're walking. And then after minute five, we'll talk through symptoms. Tell me why you think, let's be curious. Tell me why you think you're having a stroke. Yeah. Right. And we're just going to practice that. But listen, you're, you're right on. She's got to decide. I want to be less anxious. I want to heal from my anxiety, my health anxiety. And, jeez, oh, don't diagnose yourself as hypochondriac, please. That's so hard. Don't give yourself yet another label, yet another diagnosis. Body's trying to keep you safe. It has been for a long time. And to your, to your wife, Paul, I'm sorry that her family didn't show up for her. Family hurt her. And... She's lucky to have you, a guy that loves her so much. So we're going to have some anxiety healing and some trauma healing and some practicing some new behaviors. To your sweet wife, she's watching this. You deserve to be well and you deserve to be loved. You deserve to stop feeling like your body's failing. The people in your life, they did. They failed you. They abused you. They hurt you. Screamed at you. Made it your fault. you're good and you're whole and you're worth being well we'll be right back all right we are back let's go to all right so we got a husband and wife are they husband and wife yes okay so i'm gonna bring them both on this is scary for me all right let's take uh we're gonna first we're gonna go to faith because you gotta have Faith, faith, faith. What's up, Faith? Hey, Dr. John. Thanks so much for taking our call. Of course. All right, hang on. I'm going to bring in the mighty P-H-I-L, Phil. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. Phil, you there? I am. How's it going? Are you all in the same house? I'm great. Are you all in the same house? <laughs> we, we are, are. yep. Oh, this is incredible. <laughs> okay, at some point, one of you will have to say something really mean about the other one. But you can't do anything in the same house. Awesome. Okay. So what's up? What's up? Hey, okay. So this is going to take a little backstory, um, but I'll just jump off with our question. We are wondering how can we develop and set healthy boundaries to protect our marriage and family as we consider moving in with my dad and my siblings still at home? Okay. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, a year ago, um, actually January of 2021, we got some devastating news that my mom um, had esophageal cancer. We thought there was hope and um, she went through treatment, but November of 2021, we lost her. Oh, um, so and it was just an awful year. Um so my parents had a dog, they have eight children, um, four biological, I'm the second oldest, and then four adopted. Um, and of the eight kids, there are still three at home. Um, my 18-year-old brother, a 10-year-old sister, and 11-year-old brother. Wow. Um, okay, so they're still like in yeah. it. I mean, your dad's still, he's still full, yeah. full contact parenting. Okay. Yes, 100%. Um, 
And my littlest brother has a lot of um, needs. He is paralyzed from the waist down um, and just very immunocompromised. Um, He's doing better as he's gotten older, but a a lot of physical needs and emotional uh, trauma and anger and and then add on the grief of losing your mom. so then the sister's doing okay, but the 18-year-old brother is also really hurting and exhibiting those behaviors. And then my dad um, is, struggles with bipolar disorder. Um, growing up, he really did a great job of coping with it as a dad and um, just having handling it well, but my mom was his big support. And um, so now she's gone. And so in this last year, my husband and I, uh, we also, we have a little boy and then we're expecting a baby. Congratulations. Because <laughs> so, why, cause why not? Y'all should get a puppy too. Might right? as well. Might as well. <laughs> Just throw it all in. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we... We have been the siblings that have been in a place of able to help, wanting to help. Um, what 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 is that? What does that mean? Like, so you all have yeah, stable so jobs. That, you've got income. Y'all are the only couple that's married and likes each other. Like, what is you're <laughs> able to help? What does that mean? Okay. Um. So, uh, we. I am stay, a stay-at-home mama. Okay. Um, Phil, and then Phil now works from home. His job just transferred. So he works full-time um, in his office, but he's home with us. Yeah. Um, and two days a week, we have the kids over here after school. Um, we So I guess when I say we're the only ones able, my I have an adult brother who lives at home, but he is also working full-time and um, seeking to move forward with his own life. And then I have an adult sister um, who's married and has a baby, but they are just very consumed with their own family and you, you So very, and very nicely, <laughs> very nicely you have said... Your other siblings want nothing to do with this mess. And you have transposed on yourself as we're the only ones who are able to, as you're the only ones who will. Can we call that? Is that fair? I know you don't like to talk bad about people. I can tell it in your voice. You are the sweetest person on planet Earth. But that's the truth, right? Uh, right. Yes. Okay, ah, there we go. There she is. <laughs> All right. So your brothers, your, your siblings have left the building. And it's just you and you're watching your dad slowly get pulled underwater and you're watching these little kids slowly have to deal with the, their bipolar dad and the death of their mother and, and the adoption stuff, which is hard on kids, all of it, all at the same time. And so you and your husband, you and Phil have decided we're going to move in. We're going to move our infant and our young kid into this house. And we're going to help. Yeah. <laughs> no, 
I'm not saying, yeah, listen, none of that, none of that is bad. I'm not saying don't do that. I just want to okay. be like really clear about it. here's what we're saying right. is going to be yeah. the solution to this. Okay. And, and I do want to see, so my brother who lives at home, he, he has recognized like, hey, there's probably more ways that I could support. And he's actually the one that is, is a valid, a faithful listener to you. And it's like, Faith, you need to start listening. And so I did. And then I decided to email and here we here are. Here we are. That's right. Um, All right. So, so what, what is does, desiring what does looking like moving in, What like moving in, what does that look like? Phil, I haven't heard from you. You're being intelligently quiet right now. I, I try my best. It, it kept me safe. <laughs> well, <most part. laughs> keep you safe. So what, what, like what, walk me through what you are, what I've experienced. Yeah. So, um, so about a year ago, uh, when, uh, our mom first, uh, when she initially passed away, uh, the idea had come up, uh, about possibly moving in to just help around the house. And it was immediately shot down. We had zero interest. Um, at that point, our who son brought it up? Been, who brought it up? Um, I think Faith might have, and then okay. just other people um, in, in our life had kind of like mentioned the idea. Okay. Um, but so at the time, we just kind of shot it down. Our son was um, five, six months old at the time, um, and it just we just didn't think it would be good at the time. Um, couple months ago now, um, the idea kind of resurfaced. We had some other, uh, people we look up to in our lives kind of bring up the idea again, uh, especially kind of after reviewing the year and kind of hoping, you know, things would progress. We would start to move forward, um, as far as her, her dad's, uh, household is concerned. Um, and we just continue to see kind of the same issues, um, and things going on. The most, the most recent of which being, um, that, uh, the 18 year old brother who was still living at home has actually moved in with us. Um, and, uh, just him and dad had a bit of a falling out and, um, the dad actually approached us, um, and asked if, you know, and, and said, Hey, you know, it's not working at home right now. And we just kind of decided faith and I to take him in. But so ultimately, so ultimately, that, yeah, so, so, let's do, let's do this. Let's drill down. How, how can I best help? Sure. So I think, I think the biggest thing is, um, we, we understand faith and I, we, we've prayed a lot about it and truly feel God's leading towards it. Um, that, that moving in, um, to their house is one of the best ways we can help and is, is what God's leading us to. So with that, um, we know that, um, uh, it could be very easy for tension to arise, um, for miscommunications to happen. And so what Faith and I are really seeking to do is figure out the best, um, how to clearly communicate and, and what boundaries we need to have in place to make sure that uh, we're maintaining our own family because that has to be our number one priority, um, but also to um, helping their family uh, in, in the best way that we can. All right. Excellent. All right. So I'll run through these and I'm writing them down real quick. Um uh, and all right. So the first and most important thing here is none of this works if your marriage falls apart. So cornerstone number one is you and faith, 
Faith, you're there. Y'all two getting somewhere. No kids, except for the one that you're in the oven now. (laughs) And deciding what kind of marriage we're going to have. And I would recommend be real, real specific. We will go on, a like, obviously you're about to have a newborn, so that just throws all this into a blender. But we will go on dates like this, this many times a week. Um, after we are back to sleeping together, we're going to have sex this many times a week. And so this is what we're going to have to do to make that a reality. We are, um, here's how our finances are going to be separate from this endeavor we're taking on. Here's who's going to do laundry. Here's who's going to do X and Y. See what I'm saying? We are going to be really (laughs) crystal clear. He's going to shop really crystal clear about our retirement, our saving for our kids college. Cause it's real easy for this whole thing to get real blurred together. And suddenly Phil, you're arguing with her about her dad, but suddenly you're defending this 11 year old who's made her mad. And she spent money over here to buy groceries for everybody. And you see what I'm saying? You wake up in 10 years and y'all are this, everything's an ash. See what I'm saying? So the first conversation is marriage has to go first. The second thing is, is you said it great. How are we going to protect our nuclear family inside of this thing? Because you have an infant and you're about to have a newborn. And infants and newborns need naps and they need sleep. And y'all are going to be up all night, all night. And how are we going to manage this? Are we going to be able to hire somebody to come be a sitter that's going to help out? Even though I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm going to need some support and some help. Even though you're working from home, Phil, you still got to work, right? How are we going right. to manage an a overwhelming situation and taking care of a 70-year-old guy with bipolar disorder and an 18-year-old who's really upset and sad that he lost his mom and a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old? How, so how are we going to keep our nuclear family how are we going to take care of the needs of two infants? Basically is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to be really clear about what our goals are. Meaning, what does help mean? And I think um, that you've probably heard me say, if you ever listen to the show, I, I used to say it all the time talking about pictures and words. But my guess is, Faith, you have a picture of what help looks like. And I'm going to be real reductionistic and real general general right here okay and so Uh i might get this wrong and i might mix up the gender roles and all that i'm just making an example so i'm not trying to be ugly or anything okay faith you may have a picture of help is this time next year everyone in the family is sitting around having thanksgiving um you've got this almost one-year-old in one of those little papoose pouch things and you're (laughs) making dinner because you're a homemaker and you love it and your husband comes out of the study, he's working from home and your bipolar father who's stable on his meds, he high fives him and it's like, man, you're a great husband. My daughter won the lottery when she married you. Like you might have this picture of help Mm. and your husband, Phil, Phil, you might have a picture of help, which is I need you, father-in-law, to get a job. And I need you to not be in the house. I need all the kids to be quiet while I'm at work because I'm working from home now. And I'm going to need fill in the blank. And so help is going to look like six months where we're going to do this. We're going to get everybody back on their feet. I'm going to help dad get. And what we're going to have is we're going to have two people saying, we need to help. We need to help. We need to help. We need to help. 
And you're going to be saying two completely different things with that with you, by using that same word. Mm-hmm. So I want you all to get together in this retreat I'm proposing and be very crystal clear to the last detail. What does help mean? What are our goals by moving into this house? What are we going to accomplish by, by coming here? And then as a part of that, what can we actually do? If dad starts yelling, what are we going to do? If dad says, I'm not taking my meds, what are we going to do? If that 18-year-old hits somebody, what are we going to do, right? So if we sell our house, we're all in. I want to be very clear about planning some things on the front end so that we're not surprised and we freak out and then we get surprised and we get freaked out. We make rash decisions along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then we're going to communicate those very, very clearly to dad. And possibly if he would do it with dad's counselor so that he's got some non-parents, like he's got some accountability that doesn't include his daughter and her and the guy who's keeps getting his daughter pregnant, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I said that on purpose because there's that, there's that sense in there, right? So, all that to say is saying, hey, dad, we are, you are paying for your groceries or you are going to contribute $500 a month and we will do the shopping. You will mm-hmm. do your laundry or otherwise, Faith, you're going to become the pseudo mom to a thousand people and try mm-hmm. to raise a newborn on two hours of sleep a night. And Phil, you are going to be the breadwinner of a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of house. And by working from home, down the hall from a screaming infant, an exhausted wife, and a bonkers 11-year-old, and a pissed-off 18-year-old, and a dad who won't take his meds. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, I am not in any way saying don't do this. At all. I just want everybody to be clear. Yeah. Okay? There is no way that this isn't very hard. But I don't know anything on earth that's not really, that's really good that isn't also very hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's be very crystal clear about who we're going to be, what our marriage is going to look like, what our parenting is going to look like, what kind of help we can provide, what kind of help we're willing to provide, what are our boundaries, and how are we going to communicate them? Mm-hmm. And let's just be really clear about that. And if at any point you say, oh, this doesn't work like this in this house. That's a good conversation to have. And I would suggest that anybody that is encouraging you from outside of your family's unit, outside of you and Phil, outside of you and Faith, you know, I think it'd be a good idea if y'all just moved in with your father-in-law. I mean, he looks <laughs> like he, that's real, real easy to say if you're not mm-hmm. moving in with your father-in-law and his three <laughs> young kids, right? And so it's simple to to lob, uh, what do we call them, a, uh, it's simple to lob uh, charity grenades on somebody. Man, you should give them your car. You should give them your, you should just let them have that other house of yours. Well, cool. Thanks. That's, that's easy. You should just sell your house and move in. Maybe, maybe. And if you've been thoughtful about it, you've been, obviously, um, y'all are very prayerful people and you've considered that deeply. Um, man, go all in. Go for it. Like my buddy's a Navy SEAL. Like they don't look at the at the task log. They don't look at the mission and be like, ah, it's just too hard. 
No, man, it's real, real hard. That's why you're a Navy SEAL. And we're going to be very specific about the challenges that we're going to face. And we're going to be very real. We're going to own reality about what we're going to be facing. And then we're going to be very, very, very specific about how we're going to overcome each one of those obstacles. And that's what I'm suggesting you do here. Y'all are Navy SEALs, Faith and Phil. Navy SEALs. Except you're not. You're just a really incredible daughter and a otherworldly son-in-law who loves his father-in-law and who's still grieving from the loss of mom. And he wants to see those three kids be well and whole. They want to just be great people. So I'm proud of you. It's awesome. It's good to get to talk to you and know you. But let's be sober and let's be clear-eyed about what we're walking into so that we can have the identity that we're going to be people who are well and people who are whole and we're going to keep uh, this thing, the, the train on the tracks here so that we can, quote-unquote, help. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show in honor of the great Elton John's final U.S. concert this past weekend and for the great Chris Wright, who is originally and most importantly known as one of the guitarists of Dump Button, the greatest bands that has ever existed. Also, otherwise known as Kelly's Boss and yada, yada, yada. But... He's a huge Elton John fan, and he specifically picked this song. And when your leader tells you you're going to do something, I guess that's how Kelly rolls. That's how she rolls. So the song is called Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. That should be the name of this show. That's fantastic. Elton John's Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's, and it goes like this. And now I know Spanish Harlem are not just pretty words to say. I thought I knew, but now I know that rose trees never grow in New York City. Until you've seen this trash can dream come true, you stand at the ledge while people run through. And I thank the Lord there's people out there like you. I thank the Lord there's people out there like you. Faith and Phil, I thank the Lord there are people out there like you. You're amazing. And you are too, America. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. <laughs>